She was the 2018 Air Force Female Athlete of the Year and as team captain of the Air Force Women's Marathon team, Major Amy Natalini led her team to first place at the DOD Championships. She flat out loves to run and coupled with her love of family and country, we're pumped to lace them up with Amy on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Amy Natalini, welcome to Pick Up the Six Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I feel guilty. Um, I am in process of training for a pretty major ruck movement. So I didn't run this morning. So don't hold that against me. I didn't run miles. I got a ruck in me this morning, underweight as I get prepared for that. So again, don't hold it against me. I know you probably knocked out somewhere between five and 10 miles this morning. So I just wanted to be crystal clear off the top. I would never hold that against anyone. Especially considering you got out there and actually did something, and that's really what matters. Well, I'm excited to uh, to talk about your journey, uh, your love for running, your journey to the Air Force, and this continued service before self, and and really strength the purpose in running. What's crazy about all of this is, I sent you a request to join me on this podcast without knowing the very next day you would walk into I'm going to call it Air Force school, but a master's program through the Air Force. And my youngest brother would be sitting there and you'd say, you're never going to guess who just reached out to me and asked me to be on this podcast. So what a small, crazy world it is, Amy. That's wild, isn't it? It's so wild. <laughs> so what are you doing right now? Uh, and we're going to talk about, you know, how you got in the Air Force and, and your journey and all that. But, but uh, what are you up to right now? So I, right now, right now, I'm sitting in a cubicle mm -hmm. uh, doing some thesis writing. We're wrapping up a school year, um, probably the most challenging year of my life. Uh, we call this the book a day club, right? And I'm sure you've talked mm -hmm. to your brother about this a couple times. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the School of Advanced Air and Space Studies is a strategy course where we read a book a day. And we also have the opportunity to, <clears throat> excuse me choose a topic that's near and dear to our hearts and write a thesis. We spend a year researching and writing on this topic. And I actually chose to write mine on motivation. Mm -hmm. And it's been driven by this love of running. And although it did end up going in a direction, I actually wasn't even aware that it would go in. Uh, it was fostered along by this idea of what drives us to do what we do in the world, regardless of if it's running every morning or going out for a ruck or, you know, getting up and spending time with our families, going to work, what's driving us to do those things. That sounds fascinating. I want to come back to that and talk a little bit All about right. what that journey has been like. It's odd for me thinking about this young kid in my youngest brother reading a book a day. I find it hard to believe that Adam Jodas would be reading reading a book a day and regardless of what he tells you okay amy i can still take him regardless of ah. anything he said he might take you up on that i could take him in a foot race if he gets his hands on me we're probably gonna have problems but i can <laughs> run away from him so that's good news on that front all right enough screwing around about that stuff so tell me uh about your journey uh talk to me about uh where you grew up and, and how you end up in the Air Force, and where is this love for running throughout that entire journey? So we're, we could be here for hours mm -hmm. if I go into too much detail. Uh, it is a very long story, but um, we'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Sure. Uh, so I started running when I was in fifth grade. 
Um, my teacher, Mr. Roy Brown, who I still am in contact with to this day, uh, used to hold foot races uh, in class and we would go outside and he'd split us up into teams and we would race each other. And that got me interested in running. Um, this is the guy that had, you know, Boston marathon bibs mm -hmm. plastered on his walls around, you know, around his classroom, which was so great, such an inspiration. Uh, you know, I ran on and off in middle school and high school. I wasn't fast. I just did it because I like to do it. Uh, and then I ran my first marathon when I got to college uh, really is just a way to try and get back into shape. There was, you know, it's always been a stress relief for me. And that has been the biggest motivators. It's more of an intrinsic motivation to get out and, and decompress a little bit. Were you running competitively in college or was it just sort of a hobby at the time? Oh, no, it was just a hobby. <laughs> I ran my first <laughs> half marathon. Uh, I was a freshman in college, I think freshman or sophomore. And, um, I don't think I could walk for like a week afterwards. <laughs> it was that bad. At what point did you feel a, a switch flipped in you? Because now to date, you've got dozens of full marathons. Give me the number. How many full marathons under your belt? Um, at 57, we're and going for 60. You, you said you lost track of half marathons at this point. Oh Yeah. So at some point was a, was a switch flip from not just a stress reliever, get back in shape to, I got a real passion for this. So because to essentially between college and now to be able to tick off almost 60 full marathons that comes with, has to be a love for this and some intentionality around it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my husband and I were stationed in Germany and I had signed up for this very, very small race. I want to say that there was probably 80 to 100 people running in it. It's just a very small town race. And they had this exchange program with the Kenyans. So the Germans would go to Kenya and train and the Kenyans would come to Germany and train. And we were running this race. And um, just that was the first time that I had really seen up close and personal Kenyans mm -hmm. running. And I mean, they are incredible. And that, it, that was a little bit of a spark for me. Um, at the time I, I really wasn't super fast. I mean, three, 10, three, 15. Uh, but I had a friend after I ran that race say, you know, if you keep this up, you're going to break three hours. Yeah, and then once yeah. you break three hours, I can see you qualifying for the Olympic trials. And I was like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, but with, yeah, a little bit of intentionality and actually training and understanding the training and, and putting some research into it and learning about how to train. Uh, this is, that's what's gotten me to the point I'm at today. What was it like, you know, seeing, seeing the Kenyans come in, it must be pretty awe inspiring because you can see it on TV, but that doesn't really show you in reality with that stride in the way in which they run. Take, take me back. What, what do you remember when you saw that for the first time? Oh, it's incredible. They look effortless, mm. which is amazing because I know what I felt like and I know what I probably looked like. <laughs> it was just, I knew I probably looked like a big hot mess and these Kenyans just, they make it look so easy. And yeah, I, I realize that has a lot to do with genetics, but the amount of training that they're also putting in and the way that they train is very important to how they can actually do this well. 
I want to come back to your journey through running and, and that pursuit of going sub three, right? And getting that time under three hours on a full marathon and, and how you ultimately get there. But talk us through the journey into the Air Force. So when did you decide that was the route for you? How did that all play out? Uh, so I was at Michigan State. That's where I met my husband. And we were both in ROTC there. Uh, and I actually ended up getting medically disqualified Um it's kind of a long story, so we don't need to go into too many details. Sure, Suffice sure. to say, I did not commission uh, after completing my time at Michigan State. Um, but you know what? It actually worked out for the better because if I had commissioned, I'm not sure that my husband Ryan and I would have ended up getting married. Um, so we ended up getting together after he had spent some time in Iraq and I wasn't in the Air Force yet. Um, and we got married. And when he went to Iraq for the second time, I just went down to the recruiter one day and I said, I can't, I can't be a spouse anymore. Wow. <laughs> so the recruiter said, okay, let's make this happen. And he knew I had had experience in our OTC. And so we put in an OTS package and I ended up going through OTS. So I'm a little bit older and wiser. Um, my husband is a lieutenant colonel. So I, if I had commissioned with him, we would be the same rank, but because I'm about five years behind him, I'm still a major. That's an amazing story. Uh, the fact that he's off on, you know, tour number two. Uh, I mean, was it, Hey honey, uh, just a heads up. I just went down to the recruiter's office. <laughs> sure <liked> <laughs> well, <laughs> we actually ended up doing our honeymoon about a year after we got married. Um, and he took his R and R from Iraq. And at the time he just, he really wasn't feeling being in the military anymore is he, he had kind of gone through a couple things that he mm -hmm. didn't feel the drive to be there anymore. And, uh, so he was waiting on an assignment for where he was going to go when he got back from Iraq and I had put in my OTS package. And so we're sitting, you know, on the beach in Spain and, he's waiting to find out where he's going and I'm waiting to find out if I'm getting into OTS. And we found out on the same day that he was going to go to Texas and I was going to go to Maxwell to commission. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I guess I have to stay in the air force now. <laughs> For those listening at home, OTS is officer training school, right? So your way to essentially oh, enter yeah. the military from that standpoint, no worries. I'll help him through some of uh, the vernacular as best I can, having been around it for many years uh, to be able to do that. What an incredible story. I mean, the fact that he's serving that second tour and and you make this decision at that point to, to take a little bit of a road less travel to ultimately get there. Uh, life and journey since then has taken you all these different places, brings you back to Maxwell Air Force Base, where you're at now going through this schooling program that you said you've been through over the last year that's been one of the hardest years of your life. And I can attest to, I've seen the amount of work that's gone into it with my brother and my sister-in-law as they go through this program. As always, we thank you for your continued service. We thank you for all you've done and all you continue to do on behalf of our nation. All right, so let's go back to, to these running journeys. And, and at what point are you able to marry up what you do as one of your hobbies, a thing you love in running and your service? So, so you're in the Air Force now, you've got this love for running. How do, how do those two things come together? So that actually uh, happened 
after we left Germany. So you know, I had this really great race in Germany. Um, I was really excited about the prospects of getting faster and you know putting a little bit more effort into this thing that I had always loved. And I get to Scott Air Force Base and I get a phone call that says, hey, we're down a runner for the Air Force team. Would you please come run for us? Amy, what and, year is this? Uh, Can you give us a time frame? 2014. Okay. It's about seven years ago. Oh, it seems. It goes by quick, like doesn't it? It goes yes. by quick. That's right. Um, yeah. So, of course, I'm like, well, I can't not do this. Sure. I'm definitely in the habit of saying yes, especially right. when that it sounds comes terrible. When to do we adventures. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thing about the thing about asking someone to think about running a marathon, even if it's at the last minute, it's like you have to know somebody that's been training mm -hmm. because you can't just pick up and run a marathon in two or three weeks. You can barely do that for two or three months. It has to, you have to know somebody that has either been training for something else or is thinking about training or keeps up a high volume of sure. mileage throughout the year. And other, otherwise you they're won't be able to find the, yes, just, Or they're going to have to peel you off the pavement. You're not going to make it oh, yeah. that level. Yeah, and to run it competitively, which is essentially what was asked of you to be able to do that. Yeah. Right, so take me back into it. So I think I was, I think I was given about five or six weeks notice. So that was fine because I had had a pretty high level of, uh, of volume at that point. And, um, that was the, f I had run the Marine Corps marathon before, but this was going to be my first time running it competitively for the air force. And it seems to me like once you're on the team, it's like you have that in and you can stay as long as you want which is amazing. It's such a great opportunity for anybody that has uh, kind of that competitive drive that wants to do something a little bit bigger than just run at Marine Corps. You've worn the uniform of the nation in, in your Air Force uniform, but to be able to put on the running kit and the jersey uh, of the Air Force running team and do that, what, what's that feeling like? Uh, it's amazing. When you step up to that start line and they're playing the national anthem and you're like, I get to put on a uniform every day. It's not, I don't get to wear the singlet every day. And it's just another way of expressing that patriotism that, that I feel. Um, I think probably the most incredible. So I qualified to go to the SISM world games um, at Marine Corps two years, three years ago. COVID. It was the last year. Yeah, that's right. The last gap year. year. Right. <laughs> and so not only have I been able to run for the Air Force, but I've also been able to run for the armed forces, the Defense Department team. And it's it's amazing. You just kind of have this like pride well up inside you when they're playing the national anthem among all of these other anthems. It's really, really hard to describe. It's always an incredible moment when you watch world games or Olympic games to see that, to see that moment transpire. I, I can't imagine what it must feel like to be able to be a part of it, uh, to hear it happen, to even be a part of the preparation for it as well. We're going to talk a little bit about that incredible honor that the Air Force bestowed on you in 2018. But, you know, I'm thinking about your responsibilities to the Air Force, to your family, 
that's already in and of itself outside of dedication to running already a lot on your plate. Why is it important for you to set aside that intentional time to continue to pour into this physical activity that you love so much? I I think I do it for two reasons. Um, You know, it's, it's important for me to be a role model, not only for the other members of the service. Um, I think there's a public expectation that people in the military are physically fit. Um, They trust us to be able to do our job at the drop of a hat, right? Um, But I also want to be a role model for my daughter. Mm. You know, there's there's a lot of expectations on her and what she needs to be in this world. And I want her to feel like she can be strong and smart and use her feet and her brain at the same time. I mean, running is, it's 10% physical, especially endurance running. And you need to be able to use your brain to get through. And I want her to be able to do that and see that I can do that. And to be able to come to me and say, Hey mom, I think I want to run today. Would you like to go with me? And you know, it's an outlet. She can talk to me about anything while we're running. She can talk about anything (laughs) when we're running, but then it's also me time. So if I'm not running with her, my husband or some of my running friends, that's my time to go out and think about how I'm going to write a conclusion for my thesis or (laughs) thinking about the big problems of the world (laughs) that the Air Force needs me to fix. You know, we had Charlie Engel on the show a few weeks ago, an incredible uh, long distance athlete, ultra runner. The guy ran across the freaking Sahara Desert and he's battled a lot of afflictions in his life. And we talked about that on the episode. But one of the things he mentioned, which I just thought about what you said, is that he, he wasn't sure he's made any major life decisions that hasn't been at least processed. He didn't always come to the decision out on a run, but a lot of processing that can happen in those moments. And, and what I've found too, over the last four years, I've been able to really disconnect a lot of noise happening in and around a run. I don't always run with music on. In fact, more times than not, I don't have anything because it, it gives my brain a chance to, when you're huffing, puffing, and things are moving, the process. Does that happen for you? Quite a bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Although I will say I've gotten, I've definitely gotten better. Uh, I can solve the world's problems on a run, (laughs) but then as soon as I get out of the shower, those problem solutions are gone. So I've gotten a lot better. If, if there is truly something that I'm working on or that I feel needs to be fixed, as soon as I get home, I write it down. Mm, Nice. Because otherwise (laughs) all the noise comes rushing back in, right? As soon as you go back through the door at home, it all comes back and you're like, okay, I've already forgotten everything. I think the key too in that, and you know, what Charlie talked about is, you know, oftentimes he'll keep his phone with him and he'll just pull pull the voice memo app out and log that real quick, take it back in his case, you know, hip pan, whatever he's carrying it in and kind of go from there. There's an important point in there, right? We can't let physical fitness be an escape from reality, right? Because when you walk back in the door, those things are still going to be real. But can you allow yourself to process some of those things? I think that's an important point. I love the visual of mother, daughter out there on a run, giving her that added confidence and ability to be able to talk to you about things. And maybe while she's moving and sweating, some truth can come out. 
Whereas yeah. maybe kids tend to keep some of those things in a little bit, right? If it's just, we're just going to sit down and have a conversation. Uh, so that's incredible. All right. We talked about 2018 Air Force Female Athlete of the Year. I'm going to brag on you some uh, because athletic achievement, it's not the only criteria for this. So you also had to possess some military honors and awards, civil recognition. In fact, Major General James Dawkins of the 8th Air Force and Joint Global Strike Operations Center said... Major Natalini's extraordinary fitness accomplishments and superior work performance clearly speak for itself. Where does that rank in your running accomplishments, Air Force accomplishments, to have that honor bestowed upon you in 2018? I thought it was amazing in the moment. And then I realized as time goes on that it's not what it's about. <laughs> And I hate saying that. Yeah, what do you mean? I hate saying that because it's not just me putting in an awards package to mm. receive this honor from the Air Force. I greatly, greatly appreciate everyone's work effort that went into this. But I don't run or volunteer in the community or coach people for honors. That's not why my husband and I do this. It's, it's not, we don't need the recognition. We want to just help people see their potential and get to where they want to go based on what they've told us their goals are. We go out and help our daughter's running team because we want to see the joy on the kids' faces when they're out there being kids and running around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as much as I appreciate and, and just absolutely loved being athlete air force air force athlete of the year that's that's not what it was about for us at the time you know it sounds like you guys have found some ways to continue to to kind of give it away a little bit um tell me what you're working on how, how are you doing that you mentioned coaching you mentioned uh, your daughter's friends i mean what, what are you guys doing to continue this service before self that involves uh training the next generation of runner I think that probably the, the best and most rewarding is going out and seeing the little kids run. Um, I did a lot of volunteering at our last base and not so much this time around because we're just busy all the time. Yeah, you got a lot going um, but uh, going to my daughter's run club, um, you know, 40 or 50 little kids running around um, they're amazingly insightful little things. Mm -hmm. If you have never talked to a third or fourth grader about running or had them ask you questions about running, some of the questions that they ask are just so <laughs> they're funny and they're curious, which always excites me because I, I, if they're not curious about it, then why are they doing it? You know, and to get them out there and to just watch them play, uh, uh, which is essentially what running is, you know, running up and down a soccer field or running around the track. They don't need the structure at that point in their lives, but they do need to see other people older than them getting out there with them and having a good time. What kind of things have they asked you? Can you give me any examples? Um, I won't get into too many details. I've had kids ask me what I eat for breakfast. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite snack? Uh, what's your favorite ice cream player? Sometimes it all comes down to food for them because mm -hmm. I'm sure by three o'clock in the afternoon, mm -hmm. they were all starving. Um, uh, a lot of them want to ask me like what my favorite shoes are. Mm 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, um, coaching kids that don't necessarily have the money to go out and buy the newest pair of Nikes and their moms are sending them, uh, you know, in, in Reebok or they have, sure. yeah, yeah, whatever they have. Yeah. And, and that's, that's great. I, I don't care what they're wearing as long as their feet are covered with something, you know? Yep. And they can still go out there and run their tails off even without the That's newest right. and greatest gear and the newest and greatest shoe just because of that love of doing yeah. it. And 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 the ability to to like a kid just let go in the moment. And if maybe we can fold some of that into our own lives, maybe that helps a little bit as well. Absolutely. Amy, what's the hardest race you've ever prepared for? <sighs> um Wow. That's see, I knew I needed a list of questions before we started. <laughs> um, okay. So when I was getting ready to go to China for the world games, um, I had run Chicago the week before. That's kind of crazy. Why are you going to mm -hmm. run a marathon before you run a marathon? Um, but I, I ran Chicago and I immediately got on an airplane and flew out to San Francisco and we were going to do a little bit of a shakeout run um, before getting on the plane. And it was dark because we had an early flight and I was running with some friends. And at the end of the trail that we were on, I fell mm. and I didn't know what I had done. I had tweaked my back somehow, but then I got on an airplane and I, you know, sat Which makes awkwardly. Logically better. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. a great way to rehabilitate a back. <laughs> I sat awkwardly, awkwardly on an airplane for what, 18 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, so by the time I got off the plane, I was not in a good spot. Um, and it took probably four or five days to kind of figure out what was going on with my back. I had slipped a disc. Mm. Uh, I just remember calling my husband um, probably four or five days out from the race and, and you know, just crying saying, I didn't come all the way here to not run because I was in such pain. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't walk. Uh, but we had some amazing PTs on our team and I had a chiropractor and she slipped my disc back into place. She said, just take it easy for the next couple of days. And so I did. I got on the bike and I didn't run uh, other than my one mile a day to keep my streak going, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. ridiculous. Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> Uh, and I got to the starting line and I just told myself, you know what, you made it this far, see what you can do. If, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you're going to go across that finish line crawling because you're not going to quit. That's not, you know, that's not me. I'm not going to quit. I don't, I've never not finished a race and it was the best race of my life. I feel like it was probably the smartest race. I started very conservative, conservatively trying not to uh, tweak my back any more than it was already. Um, and about halfway through, I knew that if I could bring my time down just a little bit, you know, just one person after the other going after the person in front of me and just see where we ended up. Um, I'm obviously don't know how it would have ended up if I hadn't done that to my back before I raced, but it was a fantastic race. And it was obviously the goal race for probably the last three years. What'd you end up running that race in? I ran a 253, which was a PR. It is my PR. Um, 
I think I came in 17th or so mm-hmm. out of 40 something. I don't know. There are no results available online. So if anyone tries to check. <laughs> check us here. Yeah. But it's amazing, right? So you go into this, what probably on the flight and getting off the flight in those first three or four days felt like maybe an impossible outcome, right? Like hurting, feeling bad emotionally, like, man. but then to be able to, again, kind of flip the switch there and, and, uh, and just, and just say, this is not going to be the outcome, right? We're going to run this thing to PR that. I mean, that's amazing. That's nine. That's the 90%. That is the 90%. Right. So physically so much taken away from you, but, but to then say, no, we're going to do this. What do you remember most about that race? Was there a moment in there as you're ticking people off where you're like, I think I really, I think I really could actually push this thing a little bit. Yeah. I, I uh, had some great company about the first half of the race with a couple Canadian runners who are just fantastic. Um, very encouraging. And I would say they got me through the first half, you know, saying let's sit comfortably where we where we're at and not push it too much I mean we wanted to be we wanted to stay competitive we didn't want to fall off the back of the race Um, but at the halfway point um, I saw some runners from Spain in front of me and I knew that that was the moment that I was going to have to start picking people off if I wanted to make it a good race Uh, and then as I was coming down probably the last 800 meters or so Um, our teammates from some of the other sports that had traveled with us to China were uh, lining the fence line and cheering us in the last half mile. And that was just, that was a great experience to see them come out and support us. What what was going through your body at that moment? I've, I've, I've not been in that, anything close to that sort of a scenario, but I have had a few times that very euphoric physical feeling when you're coming in at the end of an endurance event like this. And it just feels like you're sort of outside of your body. Take me into that last 800 meters. What was that feeling like? And what did it feel like when you crossed the finish line? You know, they say that only 10% of your runs will ever be a runner's high. You'll only get a runner's high. And it is euphoric's the perfect word for it. Right. So, you know, you have to keep your body moving. Can't just, (laughs) can't just stop. Um, We just stop and take this all in here for a minute. Exactly. Um, You have to at least wait until you cross the finish line and um, seeing, seeing our teammates and then seeing the finish line. And then my other two uh, female teammates that had run ahead of me were standing there waiting for me. Uh, That's just, being part of a team is it's an incredible feeling. What was the phone conversation like with you when you called your husband after the race? Uh, I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see, did I call, I couldn't even remember if I called him after the race because of the time difference. Sure. You know, I think it's a 12 hour, 14 hour difference, something like that. Um, he had, I think he had stayed up trying to track, but the way that it was set up, um, the internet situation was a little, little dicey in the way they were um, pushing results for the different events. So, so almost 60 marathons to date, we got 60 yeah. in our sites. 
That's right. When are, we, when are we crossing over 60 and when are we getting to a hundred? What, what's next, Amy? Oh, okay. 60 was supposed to be by the time I turned 40, which will be March. I should hit the 60 mark this fall. Okay. Fall 2021, right. March, That's 2022. Right. You're taking over the big four up. That's right. I'll be a master's runner. We'll watch out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of plans coming up for fall racing. Um, I'm taking a little bit of a break right now. Uh, just doing some fun running, being with my friends, you know, it's a, it's a completely different running with people versus running by yourself and just kind of running joyfully. Um, my coach is all about remembering why you're running in the first place and finding the joy, celebrating every run. Um, so we're taking just, you know, a little bit of about six weeks of downtime before I start training for the next big race. Um, we're going to go to Berlin this fall. Um, so we'll run that, which is the world major. Um, and that's kind of the big race, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, my husband plans to do his victory lap in Boston this year. If we're both accepted, um, we should find out in the next two weeks if we're accepted to go to Boston. Um, then of course, Marine Corps, if Marine Corps is in person this year, we are planning on sending a air force team to the armed forces championship. I got a, uh, I got a gold medal to maintain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, um, kind of for fun, uh, we'll see, they haven't announced, uh, when COVID happened and the New York marathon was canceled, they deferred runners and you could choose over the next three years, what year you wanted to defer to. So we should be finding the results of that in the next like month or so. Uh, so New York is the last one for the year as of right now. I still have December open. If anyone has any ideas. (laughs) I love it. I love every second of it, you know, take joy in the journey, right? You know, the process is what's amazing. And I've found too, over the years that look, race day is an incredible experience and there's so many amazing things that happen in and around the culmination of an event. I mean, if it's a 10 K half, half marathon, full marathon, even these guys and gals that run these crazy ultra distance and hundred milers, Event day is a big day, but that joy in the journey, just if you can embrace that, that that's where the fun lies. That's where the process is. It's, it's putting the work in to ultimately get to what you're trying to accomplish, you know, on that race day. So I think that strikes a nerve and, and hits a chord with our listeners as well. Amy, if folks want to follow your running journeys, I know you post on Instagram quite a bit about what you're up to, where you're running, distances you're going, where can they find you if they want to? Uh, my handle is at USAF Amy runs. Perfect. She's Amy Natalini. She was the 2018 air force athlete of the year, but like she says, not about that. It's about the teamwork that's gone into it before we go today, Amy, for the up and coming runners, for folks that are listening and they want to go tackle this. What's your one piece of most important advice as it relates to running and digging into the process? Be consistent and have fun. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. She's Amy Natalini. I'm Brian Jodis. And this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.